Hey, thanks for coming over. So good to have you back here at the Father's House. Why don't you take a seat as we start our brand new series called The Table. We were created for community, and let's just be honest, there's never been more of a challenge to have community than this year of isolation leading to insulation, separation, and all of these things, and God just wants to call us back to the table with Him and with each other. And so we're going to just spend the next couple of weeks looking at what that looks like in Scripture and before we do that, I just want to thank each and every one of you, whether you join us online or in person, for continuing to join in worship, worship through your giving. And whether that's giving through online, our, our app, uh, whether you're texting TFHSD to 77977 or you're mailing it in, we just want you to know we couldn't do this without your ties and your offerings. We're just so thankful for you. And this is really us as a community reaching out beyond the walls of the church to as many people as possible, not only in giving, but by sharing this video with others. And and in fact, I, I want to invite you to one of my favorite things to do as a community, which is communion. So if you're watching this at home, you might even be sitting around a table, grab something to eat and, and drink. So I've got myself a croissant here and I've got myself some coffee. So you don't have to always have, you know, bread and juice. And, and yes, yes, this is my Star Wars Christmas mug. Don't judge. I know it's a little bit early, but I'm telling you after this year, I'm going to holiday really, really hard. So whatever that liquid or that, that bread is, we're going to be taking communion at the end. And speaking of coffee, before we jump into the message, we're going to be introducing some of our house church leaders over the course of this table series. And I sat down for coffee recently with our own Dylan Igloff, who is one of our young adult leaders here. He started a couple of house churches, and I wanted you to hear about how God is using that gathering around those tables to create community that's causing not only him but those around him to grow closer in Christ. Take a look at this and then we'll jump into the word together. Well hey there. Happy National Coffee Day Absolutely. Uh, at this recording, right? Yeah. Nothing better than Revo Roasters. It's not get better than that. To get the day started. So right. we just finished our life group over at, at Revo Roasters on Tuesdays. And uh, I wanted to just kick off our, our table series with you because you not only started that group, opened up a table at a coffee house, invited some guys, but you also started another house church in your, in your own home, inviting some young adults. But before we get into any of that, we just got to address the elephant in the room the seahawks i knew it, I knew it was coming i knew it was coming no i i knew it i i i i had i anticipated it yes they, they, I, it was coming. I mean no hard feelings right it was a I good know, game they was, were they were neck and neck with the cowboys the whole the whole time you know being a cowboys fan i'm used to it i'm, I'm used to it at this point i'm, I'm just used to it we're like there last week was like oh we can actually do it right. and then once again we just don't yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, and as a Seahawks fan, it's like they usually always wait until the very end to finally yep. do the plays you've been waiting for. So yeah. anyways, I just wanted to make sure there wasn't anything. No, no, you know, no. You know. <laughs> like I said, I was anticipating. I was like, you know what? I haven't heard much from him. He didn't say anything this morning. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no more no, football no, talk. Okay. But it is, about, uh, it is about talking, though, that as this uh, the table series is about 
uh, the fact that we've been created for community, but it doesn't happen accidentally. It happens intentionally at all kinds of different tables. And you actually opened up two different tables in your life. Um, tell us, first of all, for those that might not be familiar, what's the format of the life group? And then second of all, why did you start it? Yeah, so um, I'll start with why I kind of started it first. And the rea really, I, I, we've talked a lot about a young adult community in general and wanting to have a young adult community. And um, it, it, we haven't had one in such a long time that I was kind of thinking like, okay, how to get this thing started, where to start, do I just start a house group? What? And then I was praying about it and the Lord just said, start somewhere. I and like so that. I was like, okay. And Revo, I live right next to Revo. Yeah. Um, and I knew of a lot of different guys in our church that surfed. And I was like, I, I never even, I, I did surf beforehand, but like I didn't know how to surf. Okay. It's like okay. I tried surfing beforehand, but I was yeah. like, I know a lot of guys that do know how to surf and I know people love to surf. So that will bring them to one place. I love it. And so we did it. And then we've been doing it for about three months now. Yeah. Um, going strong and we have about 10 guys that mm -hmm. show up every week um so that's kind of how we started i just decided to start somewhere and was i was like love you it. know what coffee and surfing and it's been a hit so it's a it's, good it's been, combo yeah it's yeah. been it's been really cool um so yeah and then to answer your second question the format is we do the life journal reading and then we go through and we soap and we talk about it it's been really really cool because we haven't had one time yet where people don't want to share. Right, so right. Even really, even ones that are kind of newer to the yeah, faith, yeah. you know, everyone encourages them to share what God showed you, right? Yeah, which is a win because yeah. that means we've created an environment where people feel safe. Right. Which is the goal, right? It and is. that's a goal in really any house group or, or small group of any sort is you want people to feel comfortable sharing regard and not worrying about feeling dumb or looking dumb or feeling something that's insignificant. Um, so that's been a huge win. I, th I think it's been really cool. Yeah, and, and I love how you've, you've built that culture from the very beginning of it's not like, oh, we're going to all test you, you know, on your, your theological prowess or your, right, your right. skill with vocabulary, you know, as you're writing your, your soap journal. But um, it's really more about, hey, what, what's the heart of God showing you in today's reading? And for me, it's been so amazing to actually be able to hear what God speaks to everybody because I feel like I'm walking away not only with what it is that uh, a nugget of wisdom from what God showed me but then I'm walking away with 10 others I got like this exactly. whole bag yeah. of like inspiration and wisdom mm. from the other guys that share yeah yeah it's just and that's what community is it's yeah. about building up one another and that's why it's so important people don't feel ins insignificant and what they say doesn't matter yeah because you don't know that right and so like you said like having all these different perspectives of what the Lord's sharing with people and like that's encouraging and so I think that's been one of the biggest takeaways from that small group. Experience. Yeah, and I like how you combined an interest group, which is if people are interested in coffee mm -hmm. and, and surf, with a life group, which is about journaling and putting those two things together. But you didn't stop there. Um, then you also <laughs> you also started a, <laughs> uh, another uh, house church. Tell us about that. Yeah, so my wife and I, we, we kind of talked about um, specifically around when COVID happened, we wanted to get involved as much as we could in, in ministry um, with the church and so we've prayed about starting a life group and prayed about what that would look like and um, obviously like my heart has been for young adults and my wife shares similar passion um, just for people yeah. and so we decided to start a house group with young adults and really the aim for that one is we just want to meet people where they are and provide people in this time with an opportunity to just come be heard be loved and just be in community yeah um, the structure of that one is a little bit more laissez-faire or kind of laxed 
Um, and not because we just don't want to dive into the word, but we want it to be, like I said, create that culture of really people coming and feeling comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been doing that for about a month now. And what we've done, instead of jumping right into this, the questions, we kind of wanted to ease and build that the community. The discussion questions. Yeah, the discussion yeah. questions. Yeah. Um, to ease and build that community. What we've been doing is when we meet, we'll come together, we'll fellowship, we'll kind of talk and hang out, um, we'll enjoy some snacks and drinks, and then um, we'll all come together and we'll ask for prayer requests for everyone there. And then what we'll do is we'll pray for our community. Um, so specifically, pray for the young adult community and ask the Lord to just do His will be done in the community, whatever that looks like. And we want to be open and obedient to whatever that is. And so that's kind of how we've navigated it for the first few weeks. This first, this will be the first week that we're going to dive into the actual discussion questions yeah. from the sermon, which is going to be a great format. And I think we've built that trust with people to where it is a comfortable environment where people will start to share. Because we've even seen people sharing personal prayer requests that maybe the first time they're like, Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, this is this is totally cool. It's normal. Like mm-hmm. everyone's having these problems. So let me, I can share mine because it's not any less significant than the one next to me. So yeah, and it takes time to to build that uh, that culture of a, it's a safe place. We're being transparent with each other, you know. And I love that you're again being intentional about it. And some that are hearing this might go, well, you must like be independently wealthy, right? Because you have all this time to be starting all of these groups. You probably don't even work, right? But you <laughs> yeah, do work do. really hard, do, right? Yes. How much? What do you do for work? I work for Chick-fil-A, yeah, so yeah. Um, I'm a director for both the locations. So, I mean, yeah, I work. I work like a normal person. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and so I got, like, my and wife. It's married. just my wife and I. Yes, and I'm married yes. and I'm in school right now. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's more than doable. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I've always thought about it, like, how you prioritize things, right? And, no, there's there's only 24 hours in a day and you can only do so much. Yeah. I know that. Um, but it's just making sure that you prioritize what you prioritize and what's important to you. And I've always been a, fa- a fan of also that if you are um, passionate about something, you're going to find a way to do it. Yeah. And I'm passionate about discipleship and I know, and my wife and I know that's like what we, what we'd want to do is disciple and love and care for other people. And so we're going to prioritize a way to do that. Yeah. Would you be open to, if there's some that are watching that are wondering about maybe how they can start a life group or a house church, would you be open to them talking to you about it? Absolutely. Finding out more. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I love the fact that you're helping build community uh, with the young adults and you're doing it week in and week out. And it's pretty life-giving, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You would think like, like you're saying, yes, I have school and I got work and I'm married, but like this is what it's edifying and and it's really rewarding to just be able to be in the presence of the Lord with a group of people that are like-minded and pursuing the same things. Yeah. Well, thank you for your leadership and just your example. Really appreciate it. Wasn't that great to hear how God is using those tables, whether they're at the coffee shop or in their house to grow community, to bring people closer to Christ. If that's something that you're hungering for, pun intended, I'd like to encourage you to visit our website or our app. And we have listed there all of our current house churches as well as a possibility of you even letting us know you'd like to start your own. Either way, all of us have to understand we've been created for community. We've been called back to God's table. In fact, I can't think of a better way to start out this series than with one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 34, 8 through 10. It says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. I mean, just right there, you just understand God's a foodie. 
He really is. I don't know about you, but I'm a total foodie. I love to experience a place, a culture, get to know a people through their food. And our God could have said, read the rules and do them. But no, he says, taste and see the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. See, he's just wanting to hang out with us. You know the joy that comes from sitting around a good meal. Fear the Lord, you his godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. What a good word in this time of so much fear mongering. We don't need to fear anything else. We need to fear our God, which means to stand in awe of him. To understand what life would be like apart from his presence is to understand what it means to fear God and want to pursue his presence. And then verse 10, it says, even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. So in case you didn't know he was still talking about food, he is. Sometimes they go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. This is amazing. This is such an invitation to relationship. You see, our God could have just handed us a list of rules and said, do these or you will die. But from the garden to the grave and to our heavenly home, his heart has always been to have us with him, to do life together. Uh, from the seven feasts of the Old Testament, which we'll talk about, to the Last Supper with Jesus, to the Marriage Supper of the Lamb that we read about in Revelation, it's all around of a table. You know what's interesting? Is that out of the 23 parables in Luke's Gospel, more than 15, almost 70% of them feature food. So you can't tell me our God isn't a foodie. We were created for community and we're going to spend this series looking at those parables, looking at how God's theology of the kingdom come often came around a table eating food together. And if religion to you watching this right now is tasteless, that's okay because Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. He came to heal a broken relationship. He came to restore us to relationship. And speaking of tasteless, it's interesting to me that one of the main symptoms of COVID-19 is losing your senses. I haven't had it, but I've known those who have, who have, and you can't taste anything. You can't smell anything. It almost makes you not want to eat at all because you can have the textures, you know, it's chewy, but you can't smell it. You can't taste it. And it almost just leaves you feeling cold and lifeless. Now, I, I, I want to suggest that maybe that's even happened to some of our faith. And maybe some of our faith has lost its taste. It's just become cold and dry and, and we, we don't even feel like necessarily reading God's word anymore, or spending time with them or, or even going to church or worshiping with the saints. If that's you, let Jesus call you back. Let him restore your senses. Let him call you back around the table because Jesus wants to remind us that this kingdom, this kingdom that's come and this kingdom that's coming, it's tangible. In fact, that's the first point. The table makes the kingdom tangible. Something that we can, we can touch. It's, it's real. It's not a story. It's, it's not a myth. It's not some made-up uh, list of rules by some ancient men. No, no, this is our God who came to invite us from the very beginning. In fact, speaking of the very beginning, you can see here in Genesis 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden, to tend and watch over it. 
But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. And he had walked Adam through every single available option for produce. They had walked through the whole garden together. We can eat this. Here, try this. Can you just picture him biting into different fruits and vegetables and the juice just flowing down his mouth and, and Adam looking at God like, thank you, God, that you didn't just hand us cardboard and say you should be happy with this slime or this mush. No, you gave us beautiful fruits, colorful to the eye, pleasing to the senses. He said, you can eat all of that stuff except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you're sure to die. Again, when he calls us around the table, it's where he defines for us that which is good for us and that which will harm us. He gives us a craving for that which is pure and fresh to remove the craving that this world offers, which is poison and fake. And he wants us to just walk this out with him. You know how I know? Because look at the next verse. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. So up until this point, they've been enjoying the table and the garden Adam and God. And God's looking at Adam saying, hey, you know what? There's room at this table for someone else. Let's find your helpmate. And they literally went through in this beautiful, intimate, adventurous journey and looking at all the animals of creation till finally God created woman from man. And it was beautiful. The community of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit sitting down with the community of man and woman, enjoying life together. Until, of course, they sinned. And they ate the one thing that they weren't supposed to. And it says, as you follow that story, that God came to their regular meeting time. Their, their, it was their dinner time. When the, the cool breezes of the evening would begin to blow through the garden. And, of course, God knew where they were, but they weren't meeting him at the table because they were hiding in their sin. Listen, if that's you, our God is calling you back. If you got stuck in sin, you don't have to stay in sin. You don't have to stay distant from the table. It's why Jesus came. Starting from that sin and that separation in the Old Testament, God had already set in motion the redemption that would come ultimately through Christ's sacrifice will be celebrated in communion today. How interesting that the first command of God, the very first command written in scripture was eat freely. I told you, God's a foodie. He loves to be able to connect with us and commune with us and have community with us. That kingdom of God is tangible. So that's the first command. Guess what the last command in scripture was? It also has to do with what we enjoy at the table. Revelation 22 verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. What a beautiful, open invitation we see at the beginning of history. And we see at the very end of the age, eat freely is the first command. Drink freely is the last command. Everything in between is God setting the table for an eternal relationship with his people. We've been created for community first and foremost with God. It's a tangible community that he has handed to us. I, I remember once having a, uh, a six-course meal. It was like heaven on earth, right? And yet what Jesus has offered us is a life-course meal. Literally every single day, 
an opportunity for a full spread from God's word in God's presence to go through everything that life throws at us. It's Jesus at the head of the table calling us back to himself and saying, I don't want you to just give mental assent to the fact that, yeah, there's some God out there. No, no, no. I want you to experience my presence. I want you to sit down and taste and see that I am good. And as a good God, I love you. And I just want to spend time with you. And I love that that last verse is the bride and the spirit saying together, come, drink. That you and I that were separated by sin in the garden or in our own life would come back to that place of unity at the table again where we are inviting others. Just like Dylan in his home church, you and I would invite others and say, are you thirsty? Come, there's room at the table for you. I know somebody who can satisfy. He's the only one who can. Feast on the very bread of life and the cup of salvation found in Jesus Christ alone. In fact, speaking of our house churches, our community builder discussion question is, what's your favorite way to involve your five senses? Your sight, your sound, your smell, your taste and touch in worship. Have you ever thought about that? The fact that God could have just stuck us in a colorless, bland world, but instead, no, he put us in a world that reminds us of the creative ways God beckons us to experience the tangible kingdom of God. It's Yes, it's something that we believe by faith, but it's not just by faith. We can involve our five senses in that. Let me give you an example. I, I, I like to spend time with God in various ways, sometimes in a life group. Sometimes I go on a hike. In fact, our Thursday thoughts that you can catch on our social media often come out of one of my Thursday hikes when I'm hiking up Double Peak here in San Marcos, usually in time for the sunrise. And, and I just I posted this recently. Let my faith rise with the sun as I put my trust in the one who made this and made me. This came out of me using my five senses to sit back at the table with God. Every sunrise is God sitting in a fresh table of fresh word, fresh food, fresh inspiration for our day. So like it involves my, my sight, the different colors and hues and the shadows as the sun begins to rise from behind the mountain. It, 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 involves, it involves my sight because I'm looking at the colors that God brings to the world around us. Not just a gray sunrise, but filled with multiple colors. And I, I use my sight to read the scriptures. And then the smell, I smell the air as the, as the sun begins to rise and the plants and the flowers begin to release their scents. And I, and I smell the flowers and, and I smell the coffee because I'm not going up that hill without some coffee, especially early in the morning. I, I listen to the sound. I use my ears and I hear the birds and I use that to, to kind of let a song rise in my heart or the wind that will sometimes blow through as the sun begins to rise or even the sound of silence as our lives can be jammed, filled with all kinds of words and I just sit there in the quiet and then 
I listen to the scriptures sometimes as I'm hiking up and, and let God's word speak to me. And I use touch, my journal and my pen, journaling out what it is that God's saying to me. I, I touch the picnic table that I sit at and I, I pray that God would soften my heart, that it wouldn't become hard like that table that I'm sitting at. And then the warmth of the sunlight, it's, it's, I'm feeling it all over my body as it begins to just remind me that the presence of God is with me wherever I go. And then, of course, taste, you know, enjoying my coffee, enjoying my scriptures and tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. I just want to encourage you. Don't have to spend time with God in the same way every single day. Find some ways to involve your senses. Maybe you light some candles or some incense. Maybe it's you grab an instrument, however you want to do it. Make sure that you realize that this is a tangible kingdom. And he gave us these senses. Jesus walked the earth using his sight and smell and touch. All of these things, his taste, all of these things, Jesus experienced right along with us to show us how he experiences the presence of the Father. It calls us to that as well. The table makes the kingdom tangible. It also makes the kingdom timely. Yeah. There's a timeliness to the invitation of the kingdom of God. In fact, I believe that the time is right for you and I right now in this season as we step into fall and winter to come back to the table with him. Colossians 2, 16-17 talks about the feasts of the Old Testament in a way that reminds us New Testament Christians we have something to learn from them. Look at this. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are, listen to this, a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So this is why when we journal, we don't just read the New Testament, we also read the Old Testament. Because some might say, well, I, you know, I'm not Jewish, so what do these traditions have to do with me? Listen, God was Jewish. He, Jesus was born a Jew. He decided to start this whole journey through the chosen people, the Jews, so we can learn things from them that can help us to understand our God more, how to be with God more, how to connect with his heart more. And I, I love the fact that when you look at the Old Testament feasts, as the scripture says in Colossians, it's literally a shadow. So just as if the sun was here and it was shining behind me and you would see my shadow on the ground in front of me, Christ is shining through these feasts, these seven feasts. And he's revealing himself, his heart, even his plan of redemption to the ages. Remember, starting with that first table in the garden, it was always God's heart to bring his people back to himself to spend time with them. And these seven feasts all throughout the year are an opportunity to celebrate the presence of God, to remind the next generation of what it is that God had done for them. Now, if you don't understand what this is, I just want you to picture, like I said, I, I'm, I'm going to holiday pretty hard this year with how hard this year has been we love christmas anyways can you imagine having christmas seven times in a year my boys would love that they're always saying why do we only get to do this once don't you love that about our god again he could have just given them the ten commandments and said make that happen but no he gives them seven times where they have to stop everything else that they're doing come to the table in different traditions in different fashions 
to celebrate together as a community what our God has done. Isn't that beautiful? Our God, the kingdom is tangible. The kingdom is timely that all throughout the year, they would take time to stop, pause everything else and say, let's remember what God has done. And when you take a look at the seven feasts, and I just want to show you this graph right here in case you're not familiar, these seven feasts could actually be a foreshadowing, as we just read in Colossians 2, a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do. So you have the spring feasts, four feasts that would happen in the spring. You have the Passover, which was speaking of the crucifixion of Jesus, the unleavened bread, speaking of the burial of Jesus, the first fruits, the resurrection of Jesus, and Pentecost feasts, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Then you have all of the autumn or the fall feasts that could very well be speaking of the second coming. The tr feast of trumpets, speaking of the fact that God's going to return with trumpet sound. Uh, atonement, the second coming of Christ for his church. And the tabernacles, the messianic kingdom age, a new heaven and a new earth. And you look at that and you're just like, what? That's amazing that God was not only reminding them of what he had done, he was also speaking to them around the table of what he was, he was about to do. Are you seeing this? That from the very first man and first woman all throughout the Old Testament, he's wanted to make the kingdom tangible and timely. I think about the, the timely way that Jesus set a table for Peter, both in Luke chapter 5 when he calls him to be a disciple and in John 21, when he restores him as a disciple because he had left him, he had denied him three times when Jesus died on the cross, both times involved Peter being absolutely discouraged, completely frustrated as a fisherman not being able to catch fish. And both times Jesus brings in a whole load of fish and shares fish with them and they eat around that table and they share bread and fish together and he restores them. He loves Peter back to life. I remember this became so real to me when I got to go to Israel a couple years ago. We actually walked that very shore of Galilee where Peter was called to be a disciple along with the others and where he was restored as a disciple as Jesus cooked the fish and said, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Look, I actually got to eat the very fish, Cindy and I did, that Peter would have eaten right here on this shore. It was just amazing because it involved all five of my senses making this story very tangible, very real. And the fact that my God met Peter right at that point of discouragement said, hey, Peter, I know your language. <laughs> your love language is food. Let's eat this together. My love language is food too. And I'm just wondering if he doesn't want to set a timely table for you as well. Have you felt distant from God? Have you felt discouraged? Maybe you don't even like fish. Well, God knows what you like, and but he more importantly knows what you need, which is a restoration to him. And he's calling you back to himself. A real Jesus who walked these shores really, really wants to share life with you. In fact, I want you to think for this next discussion question about your meals around the table. Sunday night dinner, Thanksgiving, maybe it's barbecue, Christmas, Easter, anniversary, your feasts, if you will, like the Old Testament hat. How do those feasts reveal Jesus to those that you're eating with? It's a good thing to ask. Think about how much time, preparation, planning goes into that. How it makes you feel to be able to cook something and watch someone else enjoy it? Guess what? 
Your God feels that same way about you. And the timeliness of this season, when we typically gather together a little more often around a table, could be God's way, just like he did with Peter, and calling you back to himself. A timely word for those who feel distant from God. Because the table reminds us the kingdom of God is tangible, timely, and transferable. You see, this is the great thing about the table. I don't just take my precious, you know, and keep it to myself. No, you take it and then what? You you pass it, right? You pass it down around. You, you share whatever the main dish is and you pass it around. It's transferable. Everybody gets some. I want to look at one of those seven feasts, especially as it pertains to what Christ did for us. It's the feast of the Passover. Now, for everyone 13 years or older in the Jewish tradition, they were required to return to Jerusalem for the Passover. Now, if you're not familiar with what that was celebrating was, again, each feast represented something God had done and foreshadowed what God was about to do. Do you remember when the Israelites, they were being led by God to escape from Egypt if Pharaoh wouldn't let him go? The final plague was the worst one. It was the death angel that came over Egypt. And anyone that didn't have the sacrificial blood of the lamb on the doorposts, they would lose their firstborn son. So all of the Jews received the instruction from God to sacrifice the lamb and paint their doorposts in blood. And then the death angel would, wherever he saw that blood-stained doorpost, the, the death angel would pass over. Death would not touch that home. And so every year, for 1,400 years, the Jews celebrated Passover. And it was meant to be a remembering, a foreshadowing of what it was that Jesus was going to do, the Messiah would do for us permanently, as the ultimate lamb, the ultimate sacrifice. You see, we need to feast. We need to come together in a tangible, timely, and transferable way because we tend to forget what we're supposed to remember and we remember what we're supposed to forget. When something happens around the Passover feast, the blood of the Lamb slain for the sins of the world, where you and I are reminded that what it is that we've been given through Christ's sacrifice is not supposed to be kept with us. We need to share it. How? Around a table. Luke 22, 13 through 16. This is before Jesus faced the cross. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. They prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. This was the last supper leading to the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. He eagerly desired, that phrase there, literally means to be bursting with joy at getting to sit around a table. He was about to elevate the Passover feast forever, from not just being something where we look back and how God saved the Israelites, but also where we would look forward and go, here is the Lamb come to take away the sins of the world, sacrifice for us on the cross. Passover would never be the same. We would come to know this as Christians as our communion that we're going to be celebrating here in just a minute. But did you catch what he says? I've eagerly desired this. You, you do realize that's how he feels about you. Like, he doesn't just love you because he has to. Because he's God and, you know, it's a God thing you're supposed to love. But he actually likes you. He actually 
wants to spend time with you. You see how it changes things? We don't just pray or read the word or worship or, or give because we have to. No. We get to participate in this meal that God has provided through the ultimate sacrifice of his son on the cross. That's how much he wants to spend time with us. He, this, for Jesus, this was a foreshadowing of what he was going to accomplish on the cross so that he could spend eternity with you and I around the table in heaven, no longer separated by our sin. That's an amazing love, an eternal invitation to come and dine with him because he died for us. And it's transferable as, as Jesus passes the bread and Jesus passes the cup. He's saying, don't just keep this here. Every time you do this, in other words, do this often. Do this in remembrance of me because we have short-term spiritual memory. We're, we remember what we're supposed to forget and we forget what we're supposed to remember. In the Eastern culture, the definition of a person is one who enters into a relationship and doesn't exist apart from it. You see, in Eastern culture, when someone would invite you around a table, that was saying, you are now a part of us. It wasn't just this casual thing like, yeah, if you have time. No, no. It was very, very much an invitation to relationship. That you don't exist alone. No man is an island in that Eastern culture. So I want to ask you this question. What relationship can you strengthen this week? Maybe you invite somebody around a table. Maybe you let somebody who's been inviting you, maybe you go over and spend some time with them. Or maybe that relationship that you need to strengthen this week before we take communion is with Christ. I just want to close with this story. I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise ship before. I went on one once, three days of glorious eating. I mean, it was just amazing. Yeah, it looked, it looked something like this. I mean, just every possible food from every culture, 24-7. I don't even want to tell you how much weight I gained in three days. But there was a story of a man, a poor man, who had wanted to go on a cruise his entire life. And as a youth, he had seen the advertisement for a luxury cruise. And so he had spent... His entire life pining and saving, uh, pinching pennies, putting all of this together. He was accustomed to moderation and living a frugal life, just ba barely going from paycheck to paycheck. So when he finally saved up enough money to get on the cruise ship, he was so happy. But he also knew there was no way he was going to be able to afford the fine foods on board. And so he just got a bunch of bread and he got a bunch of peanut butter and he just packed that in his bags. And every single day that he was there, he would make his peanut butter sandwich and eat it in his room. And then he would go up onto the deck and just smell. The first couple of days, he was fine, even as he saw seemingly every passenger on board walking by with food, people getting orders from waiters. Day two, day three, day four. Pretty soon, he couldn't even stomach the idea of having to eat another peanut butter sandwich. Just his mouth would just dry up. And then, of course, he sees somebody walking by with a filet mignon and potatoes and lobster. Finally, he couldn't take it anymore. He's like, I, uh, the cruise is almost over. I just, maybe I can just afford one meal just to get an idea, a taste of what it would be like to be among all these rich and wealthy people. So he stops one of the waiters walking by and he says, Listen, I, 
I know it's extremely expensive, but how much would it be to buy one meal at the buffet? And the waiter looked at him and said, uh, sir, didn't you buy a ticket? And the man said, of course I did. And he said, well, sir, all of this food is transferable. It all is all included in the ticket price. And the man looked at him with wide eyes and almost started bawling in that moment as he realized instead of eating dry peanut butter sandwiches for days, he could have been enjoying the luxurious food that already came provided with the ticket price. I can't help but wonder if there's Christians, maybe even you right now, that have lived your life not understanding what was included with the price that Christ paid? Have you been living off of dry religion? Has that just left a bad taste in your mouth? Have you been living off of what you could provide for yourself versus what Jesus has provided, which is a daily life course meal of fresh life? Delicious, involving all of the senses. You see, you don't have to live empty. You can live full of what it is that God has provided for you because Jesus paid the price on that cross. And it's transferable. What he bought on that cross, he's now handing to you. And he wants you to hand to others. So before we take communion... I just want to invite you, if you're watching this right now and you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to do so. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming for me, for dying for me, for taking my sin and my shame upon yourself. Thank you for providing everything that I need. I've tried to do it on my own, but I don't have to anymore. I receive your forgiveness and your grace and your eternal life. And I pray this prayer so that I can hear it, so those around me can hear it, so even the devil can hear it. But most of all, that you would know you are my Lord and my Savior, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Listen, I just want to celebrate with you. If you've just sat down at the table, welcome to the family of God. If you're watching this on Facebook right now, you're going to see something pop up in the comments, which is a link. You just said yes. The first time or the first time in a long time, we have a free gift for you. We want to give you a Bible. We want to be able to pray with you and help you in your next steps as you follow the Lord. Thank you so much for saying yes to God. Now, grab those elements. Grab that bread and grab that drink and we're going to celebrate the rest of this passover feast luke 22 17 through 20 then he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to god for it and he said take this and share it among yourselves for i will not drink wine again until the kingdom of god has come and he took some bread and gave thanks to god for it and he broke it in pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me. 
And after supper, he took another cup and he said, this is the cup of my new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed by my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Jesus, we just want to thank you for the tangible kingdom, for the timely reminder that your sacrifice is transferable to all who believe. Thank you for your body that was broken for us so that we could be made whole and holy. Thank you for your blood that was poured out for us, God, so that we could be made clean and free and a life without shame. Jesus, we come back to you. We come back to your table. Let us remember every single day what it is that you've done for us. And let us not just remember, but let us share with others the good news that you have provided a table that is free and open to all. And you've set us free through your sacrifice. We receive that now. We celebrate that now. We say, thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's take this together. Thank you, Jesus. Your body broken for us. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood poured out for us. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for being a part of this communion table. If this has been valuable to you, share this table. Share this message with somebody else. Someone who's maybe feeling alone or isolated or far from God. Get the word out there. And then sometime this week, invite somebody around your table and see how Jesus is revealed through you. God bless. See you next week.